Women Who Rock. Women Who Rock. Women Rock. Women Who Rock. Women Who Rock. Women Who Rock. Women Who Rock. This is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting Australian female musicians and artists. Today, I'm joined by Zana and Jenna of ambient indie rock band E for Echo. Zana and Jenna, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You Before E for Echo was a thing, you had known each other for a little while and you both kind of had separate projects that you were working on. So I was wondering, was there kind of a defining moment where you realised, oh, we need to do a project where we're explicitly working together? Yeah, yeah, I think there was. I remember the moment, actually. Yeah. At your house when yeah. we both... I was like, let's just do this together. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually when I think I was, li- I was living in Jenna's bed. <laughs> Okay. So I'd moved back from overseas and I didn't have a house. And so I, we were sharing her bed. We had no money. We'd been working on each other's music and then we were putting all this time into like two separate projects and we were both really different. So I was much more electronic and she was, Jenna was really folky. And then we were just sort of both working on two things at once all the time and then we were just like, let's... Yeah. Let's just mash this shit together. Right. And mm. so you you each had your own sort of solo projects yeah. that you were helping each other out for. Yeah. But were you also working on other stuff like doing covers and things like that? Yeah. Or? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> we had a good old... Two smiles. When <laughs> we, had a good old, we had a good old go at that. <laughs> we had a covers uh, duo called... Don't tell them the name, please. <laughs> <laughs> we were really poor. Yeah. And we used this, all the money that we had to, <clears throat> to buy a PA and everything we needed to start <laughs> doing covers and we ended up getting a um getting a great deal with this agency that sent us like oh way out God. to like Bargo. Our first gig was a junior football grand final in the, <laughs> oh, really? in in the middle of nowhere. Gladesville? In, in in the middle of an oval with just kids with running like around. Okay. Ten to Eight to ten-year-old kids. How did you tailor your set to that audience? We literally had one week to learn three hours of covers. And we're so kind of stubborn that we won't do covers that, you know, you would expect. We're just doing, like, covers of rap songs. We're doing Nelly. We did Nelly. a really good Nelly cover. Okay. Um, to, to eight-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're like, you guys are going to like this. And if uh, you don't, then... Did yeah. they have any stipulations as to what kind of cover? Or the agency I mean, just, just kind of... they were just playing football. Oh, the, oh, the, <laughs> the agency the didn't seem to no, mind. Care. But there was sometimes when there would be gigs and we'd do them and people would come up going, can you guys just play a song that we know? And we're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> we are still trying to have some kind of integrity in this uh, cover business yeah. circuit. So how did that cross over with you working on each other's projects? Was that happening at the same time? Har- a or? lot of harmonising. I think that's where our harmonising chops came oh, from. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it followed into yeah. Yeah. Echo. Mm. Yeah, it all kind of led. So there was the covers band, which I'm not allowed to name. Do, he should not be named. And then <laughs> <laughs> the two of us doing our original stuff. And then we kind of went, you know what? Let's throw it all in for this new yeah. venture. And we also wanted a band. We wanted a full band. Okay. So we were like bored of... The sound of each other's voice. And I was just 
Oh, yeah, the cover thing. You can't do that forever. No, that nearly drove me insane. Yeah. <laughs> having to play songs that you didn't compose or that you didn't uh, really enjoy? Having to or? play at... Um, oh, yeah. For like, people who don't who want to hear things they already know. You know what I mean? They don't... Mm. Yeah. You get the odd person that would come up and... Like, we had, like... We did this horrendous gig once at... <laughs> was it Tamor? Yeah. I swear to God, it was like... I think we're the only women in this pub. It was a TAB. <laughs> and uh, we still didn't really know how to use a PA at the time. I'd say it sounded horrendous. Yeah. And um, there was just these really creepy dudes there. And I remember there was actually this one lady there with her mm. partner. And she oh, yeah. gave us a, a beer mat. A, she left a note on top of our PA speaker. And it said, it like you girls are too good for here. But she wrote it in like a weird... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it was like, Just, yeah. yeah. And once, and then we played Embargo and this guy who was like an ex-rally car driver just like slipped us 50 bucks each while we were playing. And we were like, hmm. he was the only person in the room. Yeah. Wow. Mm. We that did gigs with, there was literally nobody, like in these huge RSLs, yeah. one clap, one dead clap, maybe <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> and we would make up songs because no one paid attention. Yeah. We had a song called Little Raccoon in a Tree. <laughs> we used to sing it for like 15 minutes, harmonize it all, random, <laughs> complete nonsense. We had and a residency at Bexley RSL <laughs> for Bexley like RSL. a year. Okay. We played under the Kino screen. Yeah. That's where we composed Little Raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be like, Little Raccoon in a Tree. And then Zan had put some sick harmonies on it. And we'd be like, not one person has even noticed that we are singing about a raccoon for 20 minutes. It must be very refreshing playing to big audiences for E for Echo. Yeah. To people that are not <laughs> necessarily in Bargo or... Yeah. I didn't even know where that is. is oh, that I a can't even remember. It's in South. Oh, so it is a suburb of Sydney. Yeah. But it's a long way. An, an hour and a half away, maybe. Yeah, yeah right. We're no, it is, it's nice money. to play our own music. We're happy if there's more than one person, you know. <laughs> that's a hundred. That's a fifty percent increase. Yeah. And they're not paying fifty dollars each. Well, a hundred dollars. Man, he paid a lot of money for that gig. That yeah, this is him. That's and him. we're in a restaurant, an empty restaurant. It's very strange. Wow, you guys have got some stories. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> something before that I was going to expand. So when you were doing your solo projects, they were kind of in different fields. You're both not in the same genre. Mm. So when you kind of put it together, how do you find an equilibrium where you're both kind of having an overlap of what you were doing before? I think the combination of the two, like the the electronic ambient elements are still there with Aoife Echo. And then I guess the folk side of things is you know that there's a lot of harmonies and um jenna kind of took her guitar she played acoustic guitar finger picking kind of style and now she's using like a similar way of playing but it's on electric with loads of moody pedals and Mm. i guess it kind of just evolved through like changing instrumentation and hmm. yeah and i think I never felt fully comfortable playing folk. I always wanted to rock out more, really. And I think the music I 
grew up and listened to was all like 90s you both love grungy rock sort of yeah okay. atmospheric mm. Mm. and you were both maybe looking to expand to a bigger band because yeah. if it goes yeah. a five piece yeah, four well, piece it, now. it was, it just became a four piece. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, sounds left. Breaking news. Sounds left. Hot off the press. Uh. <laughs> In the EP, the tracks are quite layered. So you're talking to them about like having pedals and things. Mm. Is it difficult to replicate on stage? Because you've got a lot of instrumentation. <clears throat> you have samples, I think, when you play live yeah. as well. Yeah. So is that a difficult thing um, to do when you're doing the live shows? Uh, it took a lot of like preparing, mm. but no, not now. Now that it's kind of, we're very, we're pretty well rehearsed. Our drummer's amazing. So yeah. he, he's sort of doing all the triggering and I'm playing... I've got a synth and I've got keys, so I kind of, you know, once everything's figured out, it's... Yeah. I, I actually feel like um, we're br- maybe pulling it back slightly in terms mm. of... we're. I think our next EP, we really want more space. Mm. We want to just sit with space a bit more. Mm. I think it's really natural when you make your first record, just get super excited and just keep layering. Mm. But more of the songs that I've really been liking lately have been very yeah. spacious. Definitely. But yeah. and and also all of the space we like it to go to vocals. Yeah, <laughs> that's like our favorite part, really. Yeah, it's sort of like the new formation is more focused on the original vision of the band. Like we always wanted it to be rocky and textured and atmospheric, but we kind of lost sight a little bit of making wanting to do all those things, but not leaving enough room mm-hmm. for the vocals to sort of really have enough space to sit forward so now um as a four piece the next ep it's all written and we're recording the first single next month and so it's sort of there's a lot more room Mm -hmm. but we still have those textures and things that we've been refining okay well today is a pretty exciting day Mm. you have a music video just released which i'll include in the link for the podcast it is for a song called stay which was off the ep that came out earlier in the year Mm -hmm. i think let's have a listen to stay now and then we'll come back and have a bit of a chat about the video okay so this is stay by e for echo
was Stay by E for Echo. The video for Stay excitingly just dropped today. I'll include a link for that in the podcast. It is really visually stunning. Can you tell us a bit about the process of how that came to be, the video for Stay? The initial idea was suggested by the director we were working with. So the whole like bed dancing routine and the idea of two lovers being in a bed and sort of not wanting to leave each other, but then also experiencing frustration and, you know, like you see a lot of emotions sort of going Mm. through the way they interact with each other. Um, We weren't sure that we really actually wanted to be in the video. So we were sort of, yeah, that was a funny one for us. and, And that's why we sort of, we wanted to have that lovely, like the 80s lighting and the the blur kind of misting effect over us um, to just sort of distort our image a little bit. So, yeah, it's funny. It sort of just evolved through, I don't know, but we never really had like a really we clear... Did, we did have some references. Like uh, we liked that Dua... Is, how do you say that? Dua Lupa? Dua Lupa, Lupa yeah. video. Yeah. What's the name of that song? And she's dancing with the girls down the corridor. They're all in like... Uh, pastel colors. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Can't remember that. And then there's sure, an, yeah. there was a Radiohead song as well, um, which was like a video of a dancer, but like in black and white, sort of in sort of very slowed down. So we were sort of like we want that sort of, but with this kind of eighties vibe. And that actually, mm. when you look at it, it's kind of is what we got. But mm. so you weren't in it in terms of being a character in the story but it seems like Mm. you did have a very large creative input Mm. into the whole process yeah Mm. aesthetically we kind of want to be a big part of making all of those decisions so 
I don't know. I've always been like that with my own music and just yeah. I think the visual element is says a lot about the band. And, um, and we've been kind of wearing um, the set, these jumpsuits to every show and they're in well we're wearing you can't really there's not much of us in the video but what you can see the colours stay the same we try to mm. have a sort of colour palette that we stick with mm. yeah it's yeah. very White Stripes-esque yeah, yeah a specific so. colour palette you Ooh. know what it's uh, really handy to know what you're going to wear at every gig oh my god it's the best <laughs> yeah you don't have to worry about it it's yeah. the yeah. best idea ever yeah it's yeah. like usually we're just like running from another job you know like oh god just throw it in your bag done yeah, I think it's cool that you have this that complements this. I guess the story that's told in Stay, and yeah, I'm not going to profess that I understand exactly the interpretation that you had in mind. It's very early. It's been out for like seven hours or something. Yeah. <laughs> have you had people tell you that they've watched ah. the video and then oh, you know, I think that it's saying this or complimenting it in this way? Have you had varying uh, opinions as to what the not message? Not yet. Is? We've just sort yeah. of had. People say, say they love how it looks. Yeah. People said they think it's really beautiful. Yeah. Like the dancers are amazing. The dancers were absolutely mm. amazing. Oh my God. Like They're literally, so I was like, they'd never met each other yeah. until that day. And then they had to dance in their undies. Yeah. <laughs> it, like if you look at it, it just looks so real. Yeah. They were beyond amazing. I was like, yeah. just stunned. It was very. It was hot in that room. It was hot. <laughs> <laughs> and they did that all on the one day? Or yeah. yeah. It's in like one? a couple of hours. Two or three yeah. hours, yeah, right. yeah. Just got straight into yeah. it. But it is like, yeah, the, the concept, I think it's, it is sort of an abstract idea. So it's like the complexities of any sort of relationship, really, but it's sort of put into that context of being, obviously, in a bed with somebody that you're being intimate with, but... I guess it, yeah, it doesn't have like a straight storyline. There's no mm. sort of, there's no like beginning, middle, and end. It's sort of complex. And I guess that was the idea. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Jenna, you was asked in the process of studying music therapy. Oh, yeah. It's something I found really fascinating, and I feel as though maybe over the last five or ten years it's become a sort of bigger part of, I guess, society understands it's on, on a yeah. maybe bigger level. Can you give us a bit of an, I guess, overview about what you're learning about that field? Well, I'm a part-time music therapy student at Melbourne oh, University. Right. So I just finished second year because it takes me two years to do one year. It's mm. like a two-year course. Mm. So I'm halfway through. And yeah, I think music therapy, when I was did my music degree back in Ireland, I graduated in 2007, I was sort of interested in it then, but we were always kind of told that it was it's sometimes better to do it when you're a bit older because you do have to work it with situations that I feel like you sort of have, well, it, it I, if I was my 20-something-year-old self doing it, I wouldn't be able for it, I don't think. I wouldn't be... I think you need some life experience for it because at the moment I'm working in palliative care is my uh, placement, which is really eye-opening. Um, but I think people are starting to get a better understanding of it. Um, there's only 500 registered music therapists in Australia at the moment. Right. Yeah. So it's, quite, it's a growing field. But Australia is actually one of the leading researchers in the world. Melbourne University has the most research in music therapy of anywhere else. So you've been involved in the process where you're working, so at the moment, in palliative care. Yeah. Is there 
I guess, a message that you would tell to people who aren't familiar with what it does or mm. what it can do? Uh, would you be able to explain, like, I guess, what you've seen from your experience? Music has this ability to... I think when you're in palli- when someone's in palliative care, you know, and you're a music therapist, you have a, such a different role to everyone else. Like, you're not going to go in, you're not going to give someone a needle or ask them how their bowel movements are six times a day, you know what I mean? You're just this person that comes in and you say, hey, I'm the music therapist. And most of the time, they don't really know what you do and they're a little bit intimidated because like, oh, no, I don't play music. And you're like, no, no, it's not about that. It's just, do you like music? And you sort of just open up, start talking about music and then in that way you sort of have a way of talking to that person about themselves because I guess your musical taste tells you a lot about who you are and I think people lose their sense of identity when they're going through something like um, a terminal illness you know it's it's really powerful but very subtle you know what I mean you're you're not I don't know, people tell you things about themselves that I don't think they would tell other people. And they sort of do it, you're not even asking them, but music sort of brings about memories. Um, Like sometimes people use, we do songwriting with people as a legacy project so they can um, leave songs for family members or they find it difficult to talk about all the existential stuff that's going on in their brain. You know, nobody wants to, their family don't want to talk about it because they're so full of grief. And then this is a way that they can personally process it themselves. Um, sometimes you just use it for relaxation. If people are in pain, um, you can use it as like something to help people with mood. There's so many different ways you can use it. Yeah. Because everyone, ha- not everyone has a relationship with sport or cars or whatever. But mm. I guess everyone has a relationship with music. I think so. In some way. Even people who think they don't. So there could be people you could go into and be like, what kind of music do you like? And they'd be like, oh, I don't really know anything about music. Nothing. It's like, you'll just choose, like, you'll sort of judge by how they're presenting at the time. Like maybe they look like they haven't slept and they look stressed and anxious and you might just play instrumental music. And it has a huge effect on, like that last week we worked with somebody who hadn't slept for a few days. He was really distressed. And um, he's also kind of got a cognitive disability, so he's doesn't really understand why he's there. So we actually played really softly and really slowly for him, I think for like nearly 45 minutes and he fell asleep. But they'd been, he was crying for maybe nearly the whole day the day before so I think sometimes people think that I don't know you have to have this you need to know about music and you need to understand it on this higher level but music therapy really has this way of it's not about your ego and particularly because I play music in this other way and then you go in here and it's not about your taste it doesn't matter how it doesn't even matter how good you are in in a sense it's just it's a different way of communicating I think it sounds really powerful. Yeah, and it is powerful. I guess I hope that that is something that's continued to be recognised and become more so. and more. Maybe in 20 years, everyone will know about it rather than... I feel like that's... Yeah, um, especially in Northern Europe, it's a really big part of um, of the healthcare system there in America. And Australia is pretty, you know, it's... Um, I didn't realize how influential we were, but we have some of the top music therapists in the world. Like, I tell people some of my lecturers' names, and they're like, oh, my God. Like, they're like celebrities around the world. Their research is amazing. Wow. Yeah, so really lucky to have it. Go and study it. 
<laughs> Everyone should go and learn at I least. Hope I get a job. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned before the idea that there is another EP in the works. So we've just had the video very recently for Stay from the last EP. Yeah. Can you tell us about what's coming next for E for Echo? Yeah, so we have we're booked in to record the first single off the second EP next month and then uh, we will be putting out the second EP next year at some point. It's all written pretty yeah. much. It's um like five, I was saying five it's songs? yeah, five songs yeah. and um there's kind of quite a thread of political <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like themed songs. So mm. we sort of cover, we sort of delve into the Me Too experiences um, that we've both had and, and just the overall world experiencing it. I have to say it has a bit of a touch of a femi- feminist uh, yeah. power yeah. struggle in it, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, and it kind of delves into industry like experience, trying to just get by as a musician in the industry. And just um, and then just in this city in general, yeah, you know it's tricky trying to survive. Mm. Like, you know, just even having to work so much. Just and we don't make any money really from E for Echo. Mm. We're hoping someday that will change. <laughs> mm. But at the moment, we're we are working to fund that. Mm. You know, and it would just be nice if I don't know Australia. It gave more to the artists to support them so that mm. you weren't constantly just struggling trying to pay rent and trying to keep this other job so you can keep making your art. Yeah, the yeah. struggle is real. Time now for Tell Me a Thing, where I give you a list of topics and ask you to tell me something about one of them. The topics for the segment are musical equipment, recording equipment, Patti Smith, punk rock, poetry, death, and politics. Zana and Gianna, could you tell me a thing? I'm going to go with politics. I'm going to go with music politics. Okay. More so like industry, music industry politics. Um, I guess what's been on my mind a lot lately is mental health in the music industry obviously with Oz t-shirt day just happening and support acts becoming quite more well known you know being there to support musicians in crises and I've kind of always been on the music making side of the music industry as well as teaching as well but more recently I've started working behind the scenes like doing PR music publicity and I'm doing a master's in that at the moment as well so I'm sort of learning about the ins and outs of the industry and have myself just experienced a pretty terrible bout of bullying in the music industry and so that's really on my mind at the moment I guess that's I don't know what I want to say about it but just that powerlessness powerless yeah feeling kind of isolated from a community that I felt comfortable in due to a clash of just due to somebody's ego getting in the way of sort of human kindness and yeah it's just makes me really grateful that there are um, support 
networks out there like Support Act, so you can. Not that I've rung them yet. I've wanted to ring them, but I've sort of still felt a bit like, for some reason, nervous about doing it. But that's like a really important thing to me. It's really hard trying to get by as a musician and then experiencing the bitter twistedness on that the way that musicians get treated, I think, is just mm. not right. Monetizing them and. You know, obviously it has to happen to a certain degree, but people that don't understand the complexities of trying to just continue to create and then getting... And then in my experience, then being sort of just trodden on by somebody that's just focused on marketing and making money off people like me. Mm. So I don't know if that made any sense. Can can you describe the, for people that don't know, I guess the service that Support Act provides? Because I actually don't know that much about what they do. So they, they're a non-profit organisation and they have just recently launched their crisis hotline. So it's 24 hours a day seven days a week, and they have counsellors, qualified counsellors that are trained specifically to understand the trouble, the sort of difficulties of being, working in the music industry, whether you're a musician, you're a manager, whatever, or if you're like a, just say you're the partner of somebody that's in the industry. So they can step in and help with financial needs. They like can pay for funerals, they can pay for rent if you lose your job, if you get have mental health problems or they can just be a support network yeah that sounds like a great initiative and uh, yeah i mean hopefully yeah. that can help a lot of people mm-hmm. i hope so going forward in the future yeah supportact.com do to look it up yeah. oh we can probably put a link <laughs> yeah, in put as a well. link. Yeah, put a link put in a link. yeah they're Do-do-do. amazing jenna can you please tell me a thing? um i feel weird because i'm still talking about death <laughs> you've chosen death uh that's literally all i can think about right now um I don't know, I'm just going to tell a story from when I was uh, from palliative care. Uh, I'm working, I hadn't, hadn't been working there very long. This kind of is an example of how I think music can have an, uh, can kind of connect with people in a medical setting where maybe I don't think people realize the power that music can have, that maybe a doctor or a nurse wouldn't see the same things that we see. So we were asked to go and uh, visit this man, he had his son was there. I think he had two sons there. He was after having um, a stroke, and he was in a coma. So he was in the palliative unit. He wasn't going to wake up. Like he was, I think the term is sort of like his his brain was really damaged. So he was going to die at some stage, but nobody really knew when. But I think his sons were, well, as everybody is, they're usually in denial. But also, I think they have this sort of hope where they thought oh no he's gonna wake up because he was he wasn't a very old man so we were asked i hit there i think they were a bit upset with the staff because when they would walk into the room they wouldn't address the dad they they would obviously talk to the sons because they would be sort of thinking in medical terms he can't understand what we're saying so um they were like no when you walk in like address him he's there um talk to him you know so they were a bit annoyed about that. So they were like, oh, maybe you guys, you know, can go down and do something. Maybe they like music. So when we went down there, we talked to the son. He was really happy to see us and told us that his dad was this really famous jazz guitarist. <laughs> and our, uh, luckily, my supervisor's jazz chops are pretty good because mine aren't the best. But um, he was like, oh, my dad's like 
amazing. He sang with all these amazingly famous jazz singers. And so he was, we, he was like, had a breathing tube and stuff. So he had his eyes closed and we played some jazz standards. And while we played, like he sort of started moving. He didn't wake up or anything, but his body obviously was responding to the sounds in some way because he was, he started breathing differently. That his parts of his hands were twitching his eyes were sort of flickering it was just it was definitely some kind of connection there and his son got so excited he was like oh my god he can hear you and they had this really special moment in the room so we left and um then we googled this guy and he had like huge amounts of hits on youtube <laughs> he was like fifty thousand views and stuff on his videos and then we told the staff like you know this guy he's super famous jazz guitarist and they had no idea and it was really strange because when I went home then and I was like that was just the strangest experience today and I told my boyfriend and then I told him the name I don't want to say the guy's name because I feel like that's a weird thing to do but he knew him he was like I've, but he's a my boyfriend's a drummer um he's like I've played with that guy he's like amazing he comes from a family of musicians and the next day he passed away and it was all over Facebook and I had didn't know who he was but it was just like this crazy crazy story Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I guess, an extreme example of where someone has a relationship with music. Yeah. And on a, on a, almost, I don't know, like on this level where even when your brain is not working anymore, it's still connecting with you on some deeper level. Yeah. This has been a really powerful <laughs> segment. I think we've seen the, both extremes of like the good and the bad of what comes with a music there you industry. Go. Yeah. The... I've really enjoyed having this chat. <laughs> Zara and Jenna, thanks so much for coming on Women Who Rock. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Let me stay just for Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of Do As E Are 107.3.